Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I'm your host, Emma Graney, and this is the Diabolical Dumpsters edition. Maybe the Diabolical Dumpster Fire edition. As long as we're not dumpster diving, that'll be okay. You can find some great bargains that way, I'll have you know. Not that I've actually done that, but a friend of mine is really into dumpster diving. Mm. I've done it. Yeah? Couches. you got a couch I used to live in a very kind of upscale neighborhood in Ottawa with about eight people in one house, and we got all our stuff from the curb. So anyway, <laughs> that's my that's one of our guests, Stuart Thompson, legislative reporter. Hey, he, he brings <laughs> he brings the class. To if anyone it. wants to sleep on my couch, they're more than welcome. <laughs> the class and the bed bugs. City columnist Paula Simons. Good morning. Hello, and legislative columnist Graham Thompson. Good morning. Hello. So of course, Alberta politics was interesting enough last week, and then as it is wont to do, it got more interesting this week. The dumpster fire we are talking about is the PC leadership race. That's, I think, what we're going to talk about mostly today. We'll also have a little bit of a look over at Keystone and some trade negotiations too. But let's kick off this podcast with the announcement yesterday from Brian Jean that he supports uh, the idea of unity, of merging parties. Of everyone as, coming together, holding as, hands, playing real nice, because we know that's exactly what's going to happen. As he's the leader. Yes, as long as he's the leader. Graham, talk us through what happened yesterday. Well, it's interesting because Brian Jean was saying last year he was not in favor of a formal arrangement, a formal merger of the two parties, of the Wild Rose and the PCs. He was very clear in that point. He wanted to have the Wild Rose enlarge its base. And then yesterday, lo and behold, he has this video presentation saying, basically, I'm now in favor of a one-party system. And that was huge because this is him, in a sense, buying into Kenny's dream. Now, it is different. There's a small difference that um, Kenny wants to unite the two parties into a brand new entity, whereas Brian Jean wants it to be under the, the Wild Rose legal framework. They could change the name, but that way they get to keep all the assets of the Wild Rose. But still, this is a major change in direction for Brian Jean. And what was happening, I think, is the polls are showing that Kenny's going to win the PC leadership. Like He's steamrolling through that. His plan is to win the leadership and then merge the two parties. Also, the polls are showing a lot of conservatives in the province like the idea of the two merging. Also, Brian Jean is the most popular it seems conservative leader right now in the province and people especially the wild rotors are thinking let's unite the party but we like brian jean as the leader so brian jean is getting out ahead of this and saying okay fine let's have a leadership race this summer if the wild rose agrees to it but i'm in the 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 race so in a sense he's kicking off the race for the leadership of this brand new party that's yet to be formed before the pc leadership is even over (laughs) and that's why we're calling it the diabolical dumpster fire edition everybody (laughs) well that's one reason (laughs) yeah so what else happened yesterday paula so uh I had received an email the day before from Stephen Kahn's 
Camp, Stephen Kahn, uh, was, at least at that point, uh, one of the challengers to Jason Kenney for the leadership of the Progressive Conservative Party. I thought I was meeting Stephen Kahn for, you know, an off-the-record chat over tea at Remedy. Uh, instead, he totally blindsided me about 10 minutes into our conversation by telling me that he was withdrawing from the PC leadership race. Now, he had a lot of different reasons. Uh, the primary one, though, he said, is just that, you know, although he, he, he says that his campaign got off to a good start and that their fundraising was going well, he said that they were simply overwhelmed by the number of new members uh, who he described as wild rosers or members of the old federal reform movement who had swamped the party buying memberships. And he said bluntly that there were more people interested in joining the party to destroy it than there were uh, longtime PCs willing to defend it. So, you know, his his logic was, why would I stay in this race? Why would I keep banging my head against the wall. During the leadership debate here in Edmonton a couple of weeks ago, he was really going at Kenny. I would say more than any other candidate, he was just kind of really just gone for the throat. I was surprised then that he did drop out because he was probably the most passionately against Kenny. I mean, the others don't support Kenny or the idea of it at all, but he was so vocally opposed to it and so really just angry about it. Yeah, and I, and I think it's interesting because what, what he said to me is that he believes that Jason Kenney's people have been sabotaging the Progressive Conservative Association. He suggested that, you know, Alan Holman, who we discussed last week when Holman was suspended from the party, uh, Khan's analysis is that the Kenney people were being intentionally provocative, intentionally breaking the rules to push the PCs board into a position where they would have to discipline them and thereby inciting a backlash from Kenny's people. And Khan said that's, you know, from his perspective, that's the only analysis that makes sense because it's in Kenny's long-term interests or short-term interests to destroy the PCAA. Um, and, and that, you know, to him, these weren't errors on the part of the, of the Kenny camp, but that they were intentional violations of the rules designed to undercut the authority of the PC board. That, I just want to jump in for a second. It's interesting because last week we were hearing the rumors about uh, the party wanting to kick Kenny out of the race. Those rumors were not coming from the anti-Kenny people. They were coming from the pro-Kenny people, people who wanted to um, get his base motivated through anger at the thought of the PC elite, right. so-called elite, uh, kicking him out of the race. And but this is all coming from the Kenny campaign to actually motivate people to get involved and support Kenny. The other more disturbing thing that uh, that Khan said to me is that people who had been his pledged delegates were backing out, saying that they were afraid for their personal safety, that they felt intimidated to stand up and say that they were Stephen Kahn supporters. And then, and, and I have to say, Kahn didn't bring this up. It was actually his staff or his handler who was with him who muttered to me something about the fact that they're getting emails from people calling him a jihadi, uh, for people, uh, you know, uh, racist comments about his Muslim family background. Uh, and, and Khan then confirmed, and he said, yes, there had been indeed an escalation in those kinds of hateful emails as more members joined the party. And, you know, I mean, the joke of this is that Stephen Kahn actually, because his mom is Jewish, so um, technically he's actually Jewish. I suppose the anti-Semites out there probably are too stupid to know that. But, you know, for, for Kahn, whose family background is a mix of uh, Muslim, Jewish, and Presbyterian, uh, I think he was honestly taken aback. I mean, 
at, at the degree of venom in, in some of, of the emails he, he says he received. It was just by coincidence when I read Paula's column, uh, I didn't know it was coming and it just popped up at nine. It was a big scoop. And so I was as delighted as the rest of our readers to see it. And um, it, not delighted by the news, but delighted that Paula got a scoop, by the way. Uh, <laughs> to clarify. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, by utter coincidence, I'd been listening to a new podcast by one of my friends, uh, two good Edmonton journalists, uh, Alex Zabchek and Trish Astabrooks. They call it The Broadcast. It's about women in politics. And they had an interview with Sandra Jansen, and she had been talking about, she's mentioned this before, but the atmosphere at that convention in Red Deer, which she's, we all know now she was getting bullied and there was awful things being written on her posters. But the thing that struck me was she said, I used to go to that convention and know every single person in the room. I didn't know anyone this time. It just was a different crowd of people. And this is similar to what Khan is saying. This is not the PC party from five years ago. It's different people. Uh, it does seem like there's been a movement from the farther right into this party, along with Jason Kenney, just to make this merger happen. And I think that's Jason Kenney's organizational zeal that's done that. Um, and, and the Gene News plays into this a little bit, too, because if you look at what happened last summer, Jason Kenney organized, out-organized everybody else in the PC party. And I think part of it was that they were in a little bit of denial over the summer that he was doing what he was doing and that he was really organizing and getting all these delegates. And Brian Jean, I think by announcing early, is saying, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm not going to sit here and pretend this isn't going to happen and then be caught with my pants down when we actually have a leadership race. So I think if you look at what Gene's doing, I think he's starting to organize. I think he is getting ready for this fight that he knows is coming, and he is doing it at a time when Jason Kenney actually can't compete with him because he's in another party's leadership race, bizarrely. <laughs> uh, but it, I think it is really interesting, and I think maybe this is Brian Jean learning the lesson from last summer that the PCs didn't learn. Yeah, and I mean, it's not as though he hasn't, it hasn't been on his radar this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's not like we don't ask him every week or two <laughs> about it. <laughs> and the, the point that, um, that, Paul, you made about the numbers there, Kenny actually brought that up yesterday during the scrum, and he said, well, you know what, though? I mean, what I'm trying to do here has brought thousands and thousands of new members to the PC party, so they should be really happy with that. Yeah, no, I mean, Khan's analysis is that, ironically, this is his self-interested analysis, as politicians' analyses always are. Um, he said it's actually more right-wing people, people who are to the right of the Wild Rose, or people who are in the right flank of the Wild Rose, who are now flocking to Kenny. And he said, ironically, it's the more moderate Wild Rosers who are who are lining up behind Brian Jean. So what, what I thought was fairly astute on Khan's part is that he said to me, look, Albertans have, in every election since the Socreds fell, voted for something that was more progressive and in the middle than for something that was more right-wing. And he's said the real reason the conservatives were wiped out in the last provincial election isn't because of the wild rose and vote splitting, but because progressive red Tories voted New Democrat. So his analysis is if there's one united party that goes to the far right, that all Notley has to do is tack to the center. And, you know, then she, she, she picks up all those disaffected red Tories who aren't going to go to the Liberal Party, which is in disarray, and the Alberta Party, although led by Greg Clark, who's done a, a, you know, a really good job as a caucus of one, has never gotten its feet under it uh, and probably won't be able to. You know, If there's going to be a, some sort of new centrist coalition party, I don't know how it gets itself organized and funded by the time for the next 
provincial election. So Khan, Khan, who is not supporting the New Democrats, I mean, I asked him this. I said, are you, gonna, are, are you like Sandra Jansen going to join the New Democrats? He was no, 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 not going to do that. <laughs> but he said, you know, he said, if this right wing merger happens, he said the New Democrats get reelected. And he said, and that will change the fabric of Alberta. And I thought, yeah, I'm not sure New Democrat supporters would think that's a bad thing. Yeah. But <laughs> We've got Brian Jean yesterday. We've got Khan yesterday. And then there was something that happened early yesterday morning. <laughs> now, this was the first thing. I thought, oh, this is going to be big news. It's going to be very interesting. Um, Richard Starkey has an announcement. And I was talking to one of his campaign guys the night before, and I was trying to get out of him, like, what is it? Is he dropping out? And he kind of just, you know, silence on the other line. No, but it's going to be... We didn't say no. He just said, look, all I can tell you is it's going to be a game changer. It's going to be a campaign game changer. I was like, wow, this is probably going to be, uh, is it going to be big? I don't know. Graham, it, you were there at that. Yeah, it changed the game. I think, <laughs> I think it convinced us that the PC party is done. Um, looking at that in context, at the time it was odd. In hindsight, it's really odd. This was Richard Starkey having... <laughs> having a news conference to announce his proposal now, moving forward, to counter Kenny's Unite the Right, destroying the PC party, forming a new party. Starkey's counterproposal is let's have the two parties stay separate, but yet work together mm. to defeat the NDP. We said, how does that work? He didn't know. He didn't. He said, well, you, you can't prejudge this. Well, yes, you can. <laughs> you kind of have to, So, So he is talking about working with the Wild Rose in cooperation, not formally, but some sort of form where they actually help defeat the NDP next election. So he was saying this. We were saying, have you talked to Brian Jean about this? Well, no, I haven't. And then later in the day, Brian Jean basically knifed Starkey in the back, if, in fact, those two had talked before. And I was hearing last night from conservatives who said that, there was, that they had talked mm -hmm. and that, that uh, Starkey did not see this coming. That uh, what happened yesterday, Starkey put, put this idea out, and then later in the day, Brian Jean just cut the legs off under him by announcing that he was in favor, basically, of the Kenny plan to actually have the two parties work together in a formal sense by forming a new party. It was such a surreal day. It was I, really I, weird. I, I had to call, because so I'm out at Remedy up the street having my top secret interview with Stephen Kahn. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is big. I'm going to have to write a column about this. It's not my usual column writing day. So I phoned into our news desk to, to our, you know, to our new deputy managing editor, the lovely Sarah O'Donnell, who podcast listeners know. And I said, Sarah, Sarah, I have this big scoop. And Sarah was like, ah. Oh, okay. How do you well, feel about A4? That's right. <laughs> so, and she couldn't tell me because she knew on an embargoed basis that Brian Jean was going to be making a major announcement. But I didn't know standing in remedy what she knew. And even <laughs> well, when I got Sarah. back, and even when I got back to the newsroom, she said, there's a thing and I can't tell you what it is, but it's, it's going to be big, bigger than your thing. <laughs> So, but I sort of wonder, does anybody talk to anybody? I mean, imagine if Richard Starkey had pulled out and, Steve, and, and told you secretly and, and Stephen Kahn had yeah. told me secretly. And then Byron Nelson's there gone, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I mean, it is just bizarre because I, I said to Kahn, and remember again, at this point, I have no, I have no idea what Brian Jean is doing. I, I said to him, well, what do you think about Richard Starkey's announcement this morning? And he said, no, I don't support that. Um, he said, but I'm, you know, I'm throwing my support to Richard because I like him. He's my friend. I respect him. He's a great parliamentarian. He's a true progressive conservative. And, you know, but he said, but I don't support what Starkey's plan is. 
God help you if you're actually a red Tory. Uh, <laughs> because I, I don't I do not know what you do. I mean, if you are a Dave Hancock, Heather Klimchuk, uh, you know, Peter Lougheed conservative this morning. I don't know. I, I hope you started drinking early because <laughs> yeah. because your party is gone. I think there's a really... It was Australia Day yesterday. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, they had all license to start drinking early. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. Uh, but that is the big question right now. And I, I think you're absolutely right. There's not enough time to start a new party. And the NDP is tacking so hard to the center that maybe some people will be holding their noses and voting NDP in Edmonton again, which I think is what happened last time too. Um, but just that was a very strange day. I think it's one of those days that as a reporter, maybe not so much as a reader, but as a reporter, you'll definitely remember for, you know, the rest of your life because it ended with, you know, we had the Starkey thing and then we had some idea that some wild rose thing was happening all day. And then, you know, there was, it was embargoed. So it didn't come out until like four thirty, And then, Jason Kenney's campaign was like, yeah, well, there's probably something going on with the Wild Rose today, so we're going to talk at the legislature steps at 4.30. So we all went outside at 4.30. Sun was setting. It was a really kind of eerie day, and <laughs> it's getting really cold, and Graham knows because he didn't wear a coat outside. And <laughs> who, gave me, who gave me crap for having a coat on, Graham? It wasn't then, me. <laughs> so we had to sit and watch Brian Jean's video outside on the steps on our phones. All the reporters were sitting there looking at their phones, and then as soon as it ended... Jason Kenney came walking from the distance in his jeans and his like brown leather coat and it it's pretty far like, away like, like Shane <laughs> yeah like he couldn't come for the legislature because he's not an MLA like he had no place to be he was probably sitting in his truck waiting for this to end and then we all waited there for three minutes as Jason Kenney strolled towards us and said will you look at this that was a pretty good day for me and it was just the whole atmosphere of it was very unreal and I and at that moment, Jason came over and said, you know, sorry, guys, I can't get a spot in the legislature. Uh, and he said, Graham, do you know how to how I do that? And, <laughs> and then Graham said, yeah, you get elected. And You know, it may have sounded snarky. <laughs> it was not meant to be no, snarky. I thought it was hilarious. It was one of those jokes that you would definitely make around colleagues and I don't know how Jason Kenny took it, but it was really funny. Well, he <laughs> laughed. He yeah. laugh. so, so as, as you're hearing, we're, we're, you know, this is a very meta, this is a very meta podcast. You're hearing about yeah. the behind the scenes of how these stories all came together. I don't know and, if people are interested in that, but to, yesterday was one of those days where it was bizarre. And I went home and told my wife all about it. <laughs> it was just strange. The yeah. video, actually, um, Brian Jean's video w- was interesting. I just want to draw attention briefly to the mug that he had on his desk now as i was watching this video i was like that mug looks very familiar it is a mug that i got my husband from think geek a couple of christmases ago and it's a higgs boson mug and then when you put hot liquids in it the the hadron particle kind of comes up and then i got in touch with brian jean i'm like hey is this like some kind of metaphor about, you know, getting a laser and destroying the ndp or something and he's like lol what And then they told me they just had to get a black mug from somewhere. And no, there is no deeper meaning. But I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think that yeah. I think there really is. It, it is called the God particle. 
There you go. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's proof. Like maybe it's Brian Jean saying, "I do believe in science." No, but oh. you know, you think that's so fascinating. When Stuart was talking about the NDP tacking to the center, thinking about like the other big story of the week that we haven't even talked about yet is is Keystone XL. I was I was driving home the other day, listening to As It Happens on the radio, and I was listening to somebody on the radio defending Keystone XL and defending the project, and I assumed it was somebody you know from the oil company or somebody from the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. And at the end of the interview, which I just I just caught the tail end of it, they, they said in the shirt tail, and that was Darren Billis, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. NDP Minister of Economic Development. And I thought, wow, um, uh, I guess bad on me that I didn't recognize Darren's voice right away. But I w- the cognitive dissonance in my car as I thought, yes, and now we have the New Democrats as the, you know, defenders of pipelines. And here's Darren Billis making the case for Keystone XL, a pipeline that, frankly, I mean, Rachel Notley was never particularly in favor of. And, and it's true. I mean, this is allowing the New Democrats to move hard to the center, which will probably distress some of their, you know, some of their members just as much as as you know members of other parties are distressed when their leaders you know wander from their ideological base but you know i don't know i mean people who are assuming that a united wild rose conservative juggernaut will somehow you know bring conservative governance back to alberta may be in for surprise i don't know yeah i I think that was uh, graham wrote this in his column that this was it was kind of funny watching that press conference because Notley was like, yes, great jobs. This is excellent. But, you know, we got to kind of hold back on this. And the reason that she was a little bit skeptical is just because of Donald Trump's possible conditions like this. And I think we're we're sort of seeing how this is going to work because if you watch the news this week, there was some talk of paying for that wall uh, between the U.S. and Mexico. And then <laughs> some, there was some talk. Yeah. So some talk in the, the news. <laughs> he, he said, don't worry, we'll figure out a way for Mexico to pay for it. His press secretary gets up and says, you know, we're thinking about some kind of a border, like an import tax on Mexico. 20%. 20%. And then a lot of economists and probably a lot of Republicans said, even if we weren't against that idea in principle – you can, that's a terrible way to raise revenue. Like it's, it stops imports. It's punitive to imports, and it raises prices for the very people who voted for Donald Trump. So then the next day he was like, "Yeah, you know, that's just one option. We don't really know what we're going to do yet." And so if you're Mexico, how do you react to that? How do you don't meet with Donald <laughs> Trump, as yeah. it turns out, you cancel your meeting. But if you are some kind of like diplomat, if you're an ambassador, what part of that do you take seriously, and what part of that do you engage with, and what part of that? Do you go to your people and say, you know, we're, we feel pretty strongly that you shouldn't do this? And I think as an ambassador, you're always picking your battles and you're always picking the thing that you make a bit of noise about. And I think if you're – Darren Bills actually mentioned that to you in, in your piece, Emma, um, that they're just kind of – the uncertainty is what they're worried about. And I think with Keystone, Rachel Notley has that same dilemma, which is – he said about eight different things, and we don't know if any of those things are true or real or even possible. So we don't really know how to engage with this. Why don't we just wait and see? And in general, yeah, we like pipestone, pipelines and we like Keystone. The thing is also she wants a pipeline, of course, the Canadian Tidewater. Yeah. You keep it in Canada in a sense. We can then we get a higher price for our oil and bitumen on the world market as opposed to shipping more of it to, to the Gulf Coast. So she was lukewarm also. People kept reporting this week that Donald Trump signed an executive order on Keystone. It wasn't. 
It's a presidential memorandum. Yeah, this is really a bee in your bonnet. To this because way. it's a big difference. <laughs> you were very difference. annoyed about that the other because day. Because people, the experts are saying it's a big difference. Like one yeah, sort there of, is. There like is one's actually difference. an order saying we'll move ahead, and the other one's like sort of, you know, yeah, it's good. Okay, if we could move ahead, that'd be nice. More of a memo of understanding. Mm. So people are looking, I think, reading more into this. I think, and I think that um, Notley's smart. She understands all the question marks that Stuart's has talked about. Also, Alberta has no real influence on that pipeline, whereas on the Tidewater, Canadian Tidewater Pipeline, she's a Canadian Premier in Canada, she has some influence on what happens with that as opposed to what's happening in the U.S. Yeah, I think the difference with the Keystone is uh, TransCanada pulled their application, so this is just an invitation for them to reapply. And it's kind of like, hey, maybe you should reapply, and we'll see what happens, like that kind of thing. And I think that they're going to expedite that pretty quickly. Um, but Graham's right; it's not a done deal yet. And meanwhile, Energy East is, you know, is back up in the air. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, eventually, eventually, we'll get a pipeline but, but, somewhere. So, but maybe, having said all that, see, but you know, going back to the point about uh, the NDP tacking to the center or looking for support, if they get that Kinder Morgan pipeline under construction this year. That, that's a huge thing. You know, we've talked about this before. The price of oil goes up would be nice, but the actual thing they can actually have con- some control over in Canada is getting that pipeline c- under construction. That helps Notley sell her message to Albertans that she's actually doing something good, not just on social issues, but also on the economy. That's going to be, in the next 12 months, that will be a big, a big factor for her to fight against, we expect, the Jason Kenney slash Brian Jean uh, well, you you call it dumpster fire. Well, that that was it's what Stephen Kahn said. It's I wouldn't call it a dumpster fire. He said to <laughs> me. My question I, was, <laughs> did did you ask him? Is it a dumpster fire? No, no. Because I know no. that's your phrase. No, 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 no. He said he said I wouldn't call it a dumpster fire or a something show. He said, but I would call it a destructive circus. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I like that. that I, I I thought you know, that was that was measured. Um. Well, there you go. So this is something for. Notley then to fight against the destructive circus going on in the right wing. And the thing is, I think I that just had this image of like all of these politicians in leotards, like doing, you know, <laughs> a doing loops circus. and yeah, they're like, you know, they're being acrobats and I they're jumping. I think the... it's more like flaming cra- clown cars smashing into each other. Yes. Clown car, clown car, smash them up derby. And the thing is, Notley has talked informally about this idea of scooping up the progressives who abandoned the PC party. And they're looking at this right now. Uh, of course, yeah, they're smart. Because we're at the two-year mark, almost. In May, it's two-year mark for the NDP being in government. That's when they'll be looking, really looking ahead to the next election. And at that point, uh, the PC leadership obviously has been done, and there could very well be the, or there is likely to be, <laughs> the leadership race kicking off for this new party. I like that name, though. The Destructive Circus Party. <laughs> um, that's definitely going to garner votes. Just just by its name alone. Do you think the NDP is actually is welcoming this news? Well, I was. We were just. I think Graham and I mentioned that yesterday. Um, the idea that all of this was going on. Like, I was a little sick yesterday, so it probably seemed weirder to me than it really was. But it was a very <laughs> bizarre day. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on in my head. Um, but it just seemed like such a weird kind of crazy day and it was a bit clarifying too like i think it told us a lot about where we're going to be going in the next year or two but the ndp is in banff right now at a retreat they're in the mountains kicking back (laughs) reading twitter 
<laughs> watching what's going on. And I thought, what a what better place to be than there, just kind of watching all this kind of spontaneously combust while you're gone. While they're and, snowshoeing around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the meantime, I filled up my car on Thursday for 91 cents a liter. And I thought, am I feeling angry about the carbon tax today? No, no, not so very angry. So it's It would have been 87 cents a liter. <laughs> <laughs> 86.5. Yeah. That's the hard – that is the tough thing about the carbon tax is who gas prices are so capricious anyways that who knows what it would have been or could have been. And I think most people, the original rage dissipates, and it's hard to get mad every time you're at the pump, more so than you would have been otherwise. Yeah, although you do see businesses, you'll see like Wild Rose MLAs love – they love posting pictures of um, businesses who are imposing new – charges because of the carbon tax. I think Drew Barnes had one up on his uh, his page there yesterday. Thanks, Notley. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, but... I well, guess thanks I, for nothing, Notley. I, I mean, I guess my know. real point will be, like, in two years, will people still be mad about the carbon tax, or mm. will it be like the GST, something that people get really, really, really mad about in right. the moment, and after a couple of years, you're just so habituated to it that, you know, you're... Humans are such fickle creatures. <laughs> It's hard to get them it, to it remember depends stuff. On the, it depends on the economy and yeah. the pipelines and the price of oil. We've, we've mentioned that before. And people have, have short memories. And you're right. If they can buy into the carbon tax and you got Notley saying, look, we've got three pipelines under construction or whatever, at least two they keep talking about, then that does change things for the NDP. And also, going back to this um, right-wing party, what they'll want to do is push it to the right and tell people, look, they are too extreme for all burdens, and then go back to the old you know, moderate NDP being socially progressive and economically responsible. Of course, people may laugh at that latter part, but it's all depending on the, the price of oil. Because, look, right now, if the PCs had won the last election or the Wild Rose, we'd still be in a deficit position because of the price of oil. So, yes, an exciting week in Alberta politics. And now let's switch gears over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery. Stuart, what you got for us, Tomo? Uh, I have a piece that I'm frantically trying to find the headline for on my phone. Um, but this is a piece from the New York Times uh, about the NAFTA, the possible NAFTA negotiations that are going to happen. And uh, it's called, Will Trump Go After NAFTA with Tweezers or a Hammer? And I wanted to read it because it actually is a pretty good headline. Um, and it's a pretty good explanation of what's going to happen here and what could happen and what may not happen and what you can actually change when you renegotiate a trade deal like NAFTA. So I, I think it's really relevant right now. Uh, it's an interesting look at how these trade deals actually work. Paula, what do you have for us? I'm going to recommend something that was just a hysterically funny read, unless, of course, you are a voter and taxpayer in Manitoba. Uh, it's a piece by Nancy McDonald of McLean's who tracked down Brian Pallister's secret tropical hideaway in Costa Rica, where Pallister spends, I don't know, a sixth, a quarter of his time and says he gets lots more work done there because he doesn't have to go to meetings or talk to people. Um, and, and, <laughs> Sounds amazing. And, and his, his, I would also get a lot of work done. His, his, his Costa Rican compound, which she describes as sort of like in in amongst with the other super rich people it's hidden away and it has no address and you have to you know it was, it was actually a quest for her to find it and then she describes him you know opening the door and being really happy to see her and patting around in his bare feet anyway it's a it's a brilliant piece of writing and and extremely funny unless as i say you're one of those people who is paying the premier of manitoba's salary i'm also uh i'm going to recommend a piece from mclean's magazine from jason markasoff it's a profile on ezra levant the rebel's unrepentant commander it was extremely interesting yeah, i liked it a really lot excellent excellent piece by jason awesome. graham my turn that's why i'm looking at you <laughs> 
there's a report. I've not read the report yet, but I want to. And this is the one on the media put up by the uh, Public Policy oh, Forum. Yeah. It's called The Shattered Mirror News, Democracy, and Trust in the Digital Age, looking at the future of media in, uh, in Canada, particularly the, the newspapers. So this is, you know, the idea is you got to give the, some sort of government aid of some kind, maybe a tax break or something, to help out the media because times are so dire. And i got to say times are dire. I haven't read the report yet, so I don't know if the solution is actually um, something I'd agree with. But this is something, you know, all of us here and people listening, I think, agree that there's a need for responsible journalism, especially with this, what's happening in the U.S., so I think that it's worth reading, at least worth worth thinking about. How do we protect or engender a growth in the uh, the media moving forward? Digital online subscriptions to the Edmonton Journal just ninety nine dollars for a year, <laughs> <laughs> and then Paula's doing her bit to keep us all in a job. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining me, Stuart, Paula, Graham, and also thank you so much, Greg, for being here to film a part of this and put it up online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all of the episodes of the Press Gallery podcast. You can also subscribe to TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and our SoundCloud channel. So hopefully you can join us again this time next week at the Press Gallery.